Yeah, when it when it comes to getting somewhere, right? Fishing, cleaning the fish, you got to get dirty. You know, it gets, that's where it starts, right? And so today we'll be talking about mud. Um, yeah, probably not something you expect to hear, uh, title of a sermon in the church, but I think by God's grace we're gonna make a meaning out of this. Amen. All right, so let's open up with prayer, Lord. We thank you for this morning, Lord. We're very glad that Pastor Mark and Barry and Eric are back and. You kept them safe on one of the most dangerous rivers in Alaska, Lord. And thank you for uh, keeping them safe and also helping them get some fish. Thank you, Lord. And ask that you would bless this message, Lord, that the words would just make meaning into our spirit, Father God. That's your words, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So that's Genesis 2-7. And um, so you see, it started right there from the start. From the mud. Uh, so today what I'll do is I'll take three things uh, about mud and uh, apply them into our lives. And uh, they all start with the letter M in honor of the mud. <laughs> I worked really hard on that, all right? So, all right. Number one, uh, there's meaning in the mud. Here we go. So, one of my college professors when I went to Northwest University, um, that's where I actually played soccer, and I actually got to meet Alan on the opposite team. He went Southwestern Oregon, right? Yeah. And uh, But yeah, so I went to Northwest University, and um, we uh, one of the classes that I took, I think it was called uh, Ministry, something Ministry. It's been a while. But... Uh, college professor opened up this classroom by writing NM, NM. And so we sat there guessing and we're like, oh, what does that mean, you know? NM, NM. And uh, newly married, New Mexico. Um, just, you know, could not figure out, obviously. And then he read Proverbs 14.4. says, where, there's no, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty or clean, in other words. But from the strength of an ox come abundant harvests. And then he wrote the meaning of NM, NM. And obviously at that time I didn't know Proverbs 14.4. But he said, no mess, no ministry. And then he said, you boys want a good ministry in your future and everything like that. But real mess, real ministry is messy. It's challenging. You're dealing with people on a consistent basis. All of us have problems, even the ones that we pretend that we're so pretty and everything on the outside. But we all have challenges. We all have difficulties. And we got our own mess to deal with. Amen? We can talk a little honest today. So, <laughs> amen. All right. So, everyone, the scripture says everybody wants that strength that the oxen bring, but no one wants to shovel the stuff, you know? So, that's what it talks about, really. Um, no mess. No ministry. No dirty floors. No soccer games. So anytime you invest into anything, there's going to be mess. You know, talking about kids, you want to take them to soccer games, you know, they're going to get all dirty. And as they grow up and they're puking on the floor and things like that. So it's part of life. And we're going to touch on that a little bit later, which means mess means movement. And that means life. Amen. And then uh, I have also these few dead spots in my lawn. And it's so annoying. Every year I have to resod, you know, reseed and, uh, Kind of by the stairs. Whoever visited me knows what I'm talking about. 
And I buy this stuff, you know, it's like 30 bucks a bag and it's like has seed and it's kind of got dirt, kind of everything pre-mixed and it just says, just add water. So I just, you know, sprinkle it and pour some water. But, and I work on it, but the thing is we always have kids over, you know, we always have family over, we always have nephews and nieces or, you know, other uh, people come with their kids and, um, you know, and this stuff always bothered me. I, I used to be so overprotective of these dead spots. I'm like, hey, be careful, you can't, you can't go there. And then, Obviously, you'll repeat it ten times. It's going to just keep happening and happening. And then um, and then the bills. So anyways, later on, <laughs> bills ended up getting uh, power wheels for Alita. You know, pink little <laughs> electric car. You, know, you guys know what that is? You know, I noticed it doesn't even have a uh, brake pedal. It's just, it's just gaps. <laughs> but anyways, and she obviously just, oh, okay, pedal. She just floors it and just keeps it up. And the thing is, for she can't really control the uh, you know the wheel either and then <laughs> the power wheels car hits the stairs and the floor the, the wheels just keep spinning you know <laughs> and they get right in my dead spots and just like you know and then i was looking the other day like when that happened and i'm like all of a sudden like the lord spoke to me he's like embrace the dead spot like one day you're gonna wish you'll see elite on that power wheels again <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know it sounds a little, but I was like, wow, like, I never thought about it. I'm like, man, how we messed that up? I don't care. So I'm like, after that, I was just, I never started being so overprotective. And all of a sudden, the grass started going miraculously. So I guess it's a miracle in that mess happening, you know, unless you pay attention to certain things, sometimes they, things progress. And um, one of my older friends, also in Washington, uh, Michael Zalik, uh, he uh, he also shared this interesting testimony with him, how the Lord spoke to him through the things that he seen in his life sometimes. And uh, one of the stories I'll never forget, he says, I come home and every time I actually visit him sometimes on the weekends uh, when I was in Washington. And uh, he would always give, you know, when he comes home, <laughs> just murmuring under his breath. And he's just like, oh, this is it. And he's picking up these bikes and stuff like that. And then... One day, he told me, I already left Washington, and he said, one day I'm coming home, and I pick up the bike, and then, and I'm like, oh, you know, just murmuring underneath my breath, like, what's going on? And he's ready to walk in and give him this speech to the kids, you know, and then the Lord spoke to him, said, you know, embrace this opportunity, because there's somebody out there who wishes to be a father, who can pick up a bike after a kid. And he's like, oh. It just hit him so deep, and he finally was like, oh, man. Never looked at it that way. Pick the bike up. And he's like, you know what? Yes, Lord, I will pick that bike up. Amen. So love the mud. Embrace the dead spots in your grass. Pick up the bike. So we often, and this is the key that I want to touch on right now, is we often misinterpret our mess in our life because we miss the meaning of the mess. So some of the most meaningful moments and some of the most amazing uh, experiences of worship happen not in sanctuaries, but in the hospital rooms. And situations where everything is just going south. Somebody's body is falling apart and, you know, somebody's dying. And then next thing you know, God shows up in the middle of that mess and makes the meaning out of it. And then later on, you look upon that situation, you're like, oh, how was I able to, how was I able to go through that? You know, I keep thinking, like, uh, the, one of the biggest things just growing up is just the, my fear was 
uh, losing my parents. Uh, as a kid, I was just scared. I was baby in the family, maybe because of that. But I, I was very close to my mom, and I was always so scared of that. I was always so, like, it's going to happen eventually. And then later, she ended up getting, you know, uh, uh, stage four cancer. And it was so difficult to see that. And you're walking every day, and you're like, man, will this be my last day with her? And things like that just rushed through your head. And later on, looking back, and my mom obviously passed away in 2013, but I look back on those days, and I'm thinking, how did I do it? It's impossible. And I'm thinking, Lord, thank you so much, because through that period, I experienced the most presence of God, the most amount of grace in my life, the most amount of joy, supernatural joy. Yes, it was painful in that time, but you fully don't understand how God carries you through that difficult situation, how he carries you through that mess in life. And that's how good God is, amen? Amen. God's word doesn't come back void. So if he does speak over your life, hang on to that. Amen. Amen. And you think about, you know, the situations. There's plenty of characters in the Bible, personalities that experience difficult situations in their lives. One of the guys you constantly, regularly heard about is Job. Probably the most intense testing that anybody ever went through. I mean, lost everything. Absolutely everything. You know, his kids, a flock and everything like that. And But then, God said doubled everything that he had. That's when God shows up. And the times we think it's the most difficult situation in our life, and we feel abandoned, but that's when God is right there. Just carrying us through that. Amen? Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things God works for good of those who love him. So embrace the tough challenges, you know, embrace, embrace the tough beginnings, new, new businesses. They, they don't just start up with out of nothing and just like, boom, you know, here's a new business. I mean, unless you inherited a bunch of mo- money, you know, you probably can start that off that way. But uh, I, most of the time, it's hard work. It's messy work. It's rolling up your own sleeves and just going at it and just working, you know, from morning to evening and overseeing everything. And it's challenging. It can get really tough to fix a car. You know, you got to get under the car. You got to get messy sometimes. I guess you can take it to the Mr. Lube or some other auto stores, but somebody has to get messy for it. Amen. That's true. So things in order to be done, in order to be fixed, things get messy. If you want to build a house, you know, it starts in the mud. Somebody say, oh, foundation. Well, actually, technically, it's the mud, you know. And I was working on my uh, house. Uh, I was doing excavation myself. And it was tough. It was, it's not easy because you got to pull out these roots and cut down the trees. And that's where it starts before you lay the foundation down. But when we look at the house, you know, it's like, oh, beautiful house from the outside. We We often don't think about all that hard work that was put in it and all that, dirty work in the beginning. So think about it. If the dirt work wasn't done properly, if the excavation wasn't done properly, when you lay down the foundation, you know, even the foundation won't do you much good because it'll just keep floating around. And then you'll have like these huge cracks in the house. Some of the, you know, houses that I've seen sometimes, I was pretty surprised how they were sold for such high price. (laughs) Because the excavation, the most important thing, the dirty work was not done properly. Alex can relate. Alex did excavation for like 25, 30, 20 years? Okay. Over-exaggeration for a pastor <laughs> or for anybody that preaches, you know, it's okay. 
Wow, okay. So, that's why, but people don't see that. So, in the meaning of that, yeah, in the meaning of, in the middle of that mess, there's a meaning. There's something being built. Early in the marriage, also, uh, Larissa would constantly apologize, you know, for how dirty the kitchen was. And, uh, you know, because she thought she had to do this and that, you know. And then one time I just finally said, baby, please don't apologize for the mess you're making in the kitchen. Because, you know, I noticed something. <laughs> the more you mess up the kitchen, the better the food tastes, you know. <laughs> so it's like, girl, mess up my kitchen. I will scrub your pots, clean your dishes, whatever is required. Yeah embrace the mess and not we often don't look at it but it's just i'm talking about just my experiences what i've been experiencing in my life so uh miss indicates movement so floors get dirty i luckily i love cleaning up and as a kid i just embraced cleaning up i think it started with me just uh because i was the baby one in the family and everybody would leave and i would uh, my mom was already blind at that time. She lost her vision. And I would always be just scrubbing the floors. And I wanted to always make sure she knows that I'm, the house is clean and everything is good. And it was, it, it became my passion. I just, and from here on out, some people have a hard time believing it. I'm like, hey, I love cleaning up. I really do. It's just very soothing for me. It's like, you know, if you're vacuuming, you, you just, you can totally just zone out and just think about other stuff in life. And it's great for me. I mean, I know I'm very strange to you maybe in that situation, but hey, I like it. So I'm embracing the mess. All right. But we always have things to do. Yeah. To-do list. You know why we have to-do list that's never done? Because we're not dead. And that's a good thing. Amen. No dirt work, no house, no mess, no ministry. No mess, no marriage, no mess, no mission. So there's meaning in that mud. And when we start seeing that and we start realizing that there's a, there's a message in that mess, there's a meaning in that ministry, in that mess, and God starts to transform our mind through the situation. So in the most complication, in the complication of our situation, God is doing something that you may not see. Isn't God good? Amen. That he can take our mess and make a meaning out of it. All right. Um, some moms, you know, after giving birth, you know, they're so hard on themselves. And you're looking different, you know. Hey, you push the human being out. You're allowed, I think you're allowed to look different. Come on. Amen. And it's just uh, people will get down to themselves. And like, oh, man, I'm such a mess. You know, I, I hear that sometimes people say, oh, I'm a mess. Like some, a lot of ladies like to say, I'm such a mess. We, we are all a mess. You know why? Because we're made from dust. We're made from dirt. Psalm 103, 8, 18. I'm going to start with verse 8. Um, he's merciful. This is just about God's love. He's merciful and tender toward those who, des- uh, who don't deserve it. He's slow to get angry and full of kindness and love. He never bears a grudge, nor remains angry forever. Verse 10. He has not punished us as we deserve for all our sins. For his mercy towards those who fear and honor him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from as from the east is from the west. He's like a father to us, a tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him. For he knows we are but dust, 
and that our days are few and brief, like grass, like flowers, blown by the wind and gone forever. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from the everlasting to those who reverence Him. His salvation is to the children's children and to those who are faithful to His covenant and remember to obey Him. So this Lutheran pastor, one of the Sundays, got up and, you know, praying this eloquent prayer. You know, Heavenly Lord, Almighty Father, Master Master in the Lord, King of all kings, kings, wonderful counselor. He starts praying this beautiful prayer. Remembering as the psalmist taught us, we are but dust. And this little girl turns to her mommy and says, Mom, what is but dust? And then, <laughs> scripture. <laughs> For we know we are but dust. Yes, take it how you want it. But we are dust. We're nothing but but dust. <laughs> I'm not surprised, you know, when life gets messy, when things get tough. Now, it, it makes more sense because I'm like, hey, I was made from the mess. I was made from the, I'm made from the mud, I should say. Okay, number two. Go ahead and switch that slide. There's mercy in the mud. John chapter eight. Okay, let's start with verse one. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman is caught in adultery. Where's the man, right? <laughs> yeah, where's the man? It takes two last time I checked. So in the law of Moses, command, uh, the, and the law of Moses commands us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this in the, uh, verse 6. It you know, gives us a little insight what they were trying to do. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So technically they were really after Jesus, not after the woman. But they used her. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And this is where they thought, you know, Jesus probably lost his mind. I mean, they're about to kill this woman. They're about to stone this woman. And here he is, Jesus, you know, doodling on the ground. But then, you know, scholars have for the longest time debated, what did Jesus actually was writing on the ground? You know, because it doesn't say in the scripture. So verse 7, when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Verse 8, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, at those who heard him, or who heard, began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing here. You know, and I was studying about, what was Jesus actually writing? So I went online and just looked at some of the theories, because the scripture doesn't tell us. And theory number one says, you know, one of the theories says Jesus was doodling. He was just kind of being relaxed. He was showing his, like, hey, nothing's bothering him. Uh, at theory number two, he was, you know, writing a scripture, maybe something. He knew a lot of scriptures. He was the son of God. Wouldn't be surprised there. But a theory number three, which I tend to like and agree more, is that uh, some suggest that perhaps, you know, he started writing 
names of the people that were in the circle, that were ready, you know, that had the stones ready to throw. You know, and out beside their name, you know, he would write their sins. You know, I can believe that. He's the son of God. He knew He knew everything, amen? So I like these three. It actually kind of makes sense the more I look at it. So, and out besides the name, he would like write their sin. Because, you know, they thought they had the dirt on this woman. And Jesus gets down and he's like, hey, you think you have the dirt? You think you have this dirt on, uh, dirt on this woman? Let me show you a few things. And he'll like start. James, last Tuesday, lust. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. And draws the line to make a connection. Tom's wife. And James gets up. Leaves real quick, you know, Tom follows him. I mean, they already had stones in their hands, so, you know, they probably worked it out on the way. But I'm just saying, I can totally see that. Or he would sit there, because it doesn't say just men were there in the circle. Or like, Sarah James, Bethlehem High, senior prof. She gets up, runs out of there. And it says, until the very end, you know, it's so interesting. Though. Look, look, look at the verse 9. It says, the older ones first. <laughs> Why? Because they had the longest list. Yeah, they, they booked it out of there really quick. So why? Why is Jesus doing this? Well, obviously, we see it later on, but no, no one wanted to stay for this, you know, because that's why they dispersed really quick. So public shaming by Jesus. Uh, so let any of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You see, this is a, a beautiful picture of the gospel. Because when the woman looked at Jesus, you know, because who knows what she expected. Because there's one man left standing who has the right to throw the stone. And he doesn't. What is he going to do? What is he going to do with her dirt? What is he going to do with her sins? And says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. The only one whose hands were clean. The only one that had the, could have thrown, uh, threw that rock. It didn't. And what he does, he doesn't take her through the dirt. He raises her up. He picks her up. And he says, let me tell you what I'm going to do with your dirt, or the things that you thought of doing. Because, you know, we oftentimes say, oh, that's great. When we hear about somebody screwing up or something, we're like, well, I'm holy. I didn't, I didn't do about it. But Jesus says, I know all the things that you were even thinking about it. And it's not that you didn't do it. You just, the opportunity didn't come up. I mean, I'm talking to myself. And it's like, oh, yeah. And here he is, Jesus like, yeah, uh, I know what you've done. I know what you were thinking of doing. But yet, I'm going to raise you up. I'm not here to condemn you. Amen. Is it too real? Can we talk? Jesus says, you know, I got all the dirt, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna break you down. And this is the amazing Father's heart. We read the Psalm earlier, you know, talking about God's love. You know, as far as east is from the west, that's how mercy of, how great mercy of God is. See what the, what the enemy does, Let's grab these rocks, you know, and start throwing them at you. And he'll remind you of what you said that one time. And he'll remind you of what you did that time. 
And he'll remind you how you weren't there for someone that one time. And he'll remind you and he'll remind you and just toss those stones at you. But, you know, next time he'll remind you, remind him that Jesus has redeemed you. He has not come to condemn you, but he came to set you on the solid ground. Amen? There's mercy in the love of God. There's mercy in the middle of that difficult situation. Amen? So when the accusations start to fly your way, you know, how dirty you are, how messed up you are, how... Just go ahead and remind the devil, yeah, I am but dust. But God got down in my dirt, and he forgave my sins. He told me to sin no more. He put my feet on solid ground. As we sing that song, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He picks us up from this mud, and he puts us on solid rock, the foundation of God. Amen? So there's mercy in the mud. For every dirty person, for every lost person, for every broken person, for every person that's full of regrets. And so... So where are the accusers? You know, where are those who condemn you? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Luke, uh, one of the other stories that really always so profound in my life and speaks so much to me is about prodigal son. And for those who don't know, so the youngest son, you know, took all his life savings pretty much. Yeah, this father, the Jesus is talking about a parable. So father had two sons. The younger one decides to go off and just spend off. Hey, give me all my savings. Give me all my PFD savings that you had. You know, nowadays we're saving for our children. I can imagine, but there was a lot more. And he goes out and blows through everything, absolutely everything, with nothing left. And ends up in being in the pig swine, you know, like next with the pigs. So uh, I want to pick it up with verse 20. Luke 15, 20 through 24. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven, and against I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called called your son. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate For his son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and and is now found. And they began to celebrate. What an amazing story. Son goes, totally just disrespects, leaves the father and does whatever he wants. And all of a sudden he sees him from distance. You know, talking about when he's already returned. talking about father's heart he ran the father ran to his son so he knows us from the beginning because we're made from dust and all the mistakes that we're going to make beforehand he knows everything but in the meantime he's not afraid of you in the meantime he's not afraid he says yes you're still my son you're still my daughter yes you still you smell like swine but you're my son 
And that is amazing power of God. That is amazing, amazing mercy of God for us. And it's never ending. And I love that, you know, James chapter 2 verse 13 says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're going three. So we talked about meaning in the mud. There's mercy in the mud. And then there's the third one. There's a miracle in the mud. So now if you go from John chapter 8 um, to the next chapter, this is John chapter 9. <laughs> that's, that's deep. Dad's jokes were last week if you guys missed out. Um, Father's Day last Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all fathers. Amen. Um, so we switch, uh, just turn the chapter over. And, uh, and this is, you know, it's so interesting, this scripture. You know, if you have a perception of Jesus that Jesus does everything in orderly and fine fashion, you know, like just very careful and everything, this, this, this scripture will really mess you up. <laughs> so, um, Read from the first prayer. Um, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who made this mess, in other words? Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened. Stuff just happens. Life happens. So that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, Jesus says, I'm not so interested about, you know, helping you figure out who made this mess. I'm interested in fixing it. So, now imagine this man. I was thinking to myself for a little bit, like, wow. You know, you can't see. You hear people talking about you. And I'm sure he heard, because the scripture doesn't talk about that he didn't hear. It just says he was blind. You know, and you heard about Jesus, you know, healing, doing miracles, and probably some kind of a perception already. He already had a perception of Jesus or anticipation of what's going to happen. And, hey, and if Jesus is going to be walking by, he's probably going to heal me. And, uh, but this is just one of the most favorite miracles of the miraculous. So verse 6, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva. <laughs> Here we go. Um, After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some saliva, uh, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eye. You know, and I'm thinking now, you know, some of you might be saying, well, you know, it's holy spit. But it's still spit. It's still, you know, not very a pleasant thing. So, you know, and poor guy, you know, I'm thinking about it. The, the hits are just coming after this guy, one after another. Here he is blind. He knows, you know, he can't see. And ev- everyone else can see. And everybody's talking about him, how he's messed up and who messed up and why he's messed up and stuff like that, why he can't see. And here comes Jesus, you know. Maybe he's, you know, ex- expectation, you know, he will, like, speak the words of healing, you know, and be healed. Sight. <laughs> I, I can imagine, like, just what's going through his mind. Maybe there'll be, you know, angel choir. They'll just be like, ah. But 
And here he is standing, you know. And the, the, the next thing he hears is like, <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the Bible come alive, right? So he's thinking, okay, that's strange. Maybe he's just, you know, clearing his throat, you know, for to speak the words of healing, you know, pre-game superstition, you know, some people have, you know. So he goes, <laughs> You know, and then pff, next thing you know, now he feels something wet. So now it went from bad to worse. I mean, at least before he was blind, but here he is now, you know, he's feeling something wet and nasty on his eyes. It's, I'm sure it wasn't a pleasant feeling. I just love Jesus. He's so radical and unpredictable. Then Jesus gives instructions. He always likes to do things the way we don't expect. You know, Jesus just loves to come in our in the midst of our expectation and do things completely opposite, completely opposite. So we so we can see Jesus in a different light. That He is so above our understanding, above how we expect things. He loves to surprise us. And then Jesus gives the instruction in verse seven. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. Um, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Praise God. Come on. God is good. In the middle of a mess, in the middle of a mess, he takes that mud, he performs a healing. And I was wondering, why didn't Jesus, Jesus just send him to just bathe in the, you know, take a dip in the pool of Siloam in the first place? In the first place? So why, why mud? You know, I was just curious. Was the following getting too thin? You know, was, you know, because Jesus was doing a lot of miracles, you know, and maybe people were just getting used to this. Oh, you know, it's Jesus making another miracle. Not a big deal. And he just, just he needed to spice things up, you know, to make things more radical, to have local news start talking about it more. I don't know. But I think there's actually a significant, significant meaning. And I want to actually talk about that and end it with that. So I believe there's significant symbolism and that we find throughout the Bible. So dirt represents our humanity, our weakness, our shame. Throughout the scripture, when we look through it, but dust, which, which is what we are. We're nothing but dust. And what we always try to cover up. But then there's another element in the Bible. Water, which represents God's spirit. So now we have Jesus Taking our dirt, our common, our human, our mess, our shortcomings, and he pours his spirit, his water into our life. I actually have a little symbolism or a little display it. Got a good explanation here. We're going to take some water. Some dirty water right here. Tea? Possibly. I already forgot what it was. <laughs> so, here's our common. Okay. And I know, like, oh, that thing spins perfect. I can rotate it every angle. All right. Um, our common. Dirt. But nothing but dust. That's what we are. And um, so Jesus, I know it's a little cheesy mistake, but we'll try to explain this. He pours his water 
into our life. Oops. And the more he pours into his water, his spirit into our life, the clearer our life becomes. The more pure we become. Come on. Ain't God good? Amen. I know this is a little maybe possibly cheesy explanation, but hey, it, it ain't easy being cheesy, you know. But that's just amazing. You know, he takes our humanity, our mistakes and everything, and he pours his grace, his mercy into our life and his power. And he says, I want to make a miracle out of your mind. Bring me your dirt. Bring me your shortcomings. Bring me your regrets. Bring me your doubts. Bring me your, you know, any, any mistakes that you've done. And I'll pour into your life. That's the, that's the miracle in the mud. And this is, you know, as I was preparing for this and I'm thinking, and I was actually pulling out the roots. I was just working on my grass a little bit and pulling out the weeds. That's how the Lord speaks sometimes in the middle of that. I'm like, ah, this is good. There's meaning in this mess that I'm doing. And it's like, yeah, I'm giving you a word. And, uh, the Lord said, what the, what the world calls dirt, failure, God calls fertilizer. That's what God does. He will take that and he will take and he will use it. I love Pastor Mark's other, a few weeks back, he talked about God wasn't in it, but God will work through it. Even if it started with your own mistakes, even if it started, you know, you know, it wasn't, God wasn't originally in it, but you were like, ah, screwed up. And God is like, you know what? I'm going to make a miracle out of this mess. I'm going to use this. God is not in it, but he will work through it. Amen. The presence of God is not the absence of trouble. The more we live, the more we will experience trouble and difficult situations in our lives. They won't stop. The, the scripture clearly says that we will, while we're here on earth, we will experience difficulties, challenges, but we need God's spirit in our life. Amen. And he will take any situation in your life right now. He comes, you know, he doesn't care that like that father said that his son was dirty and, you know, he was, he smelled like swine. He was just stinky. He ran to him. He hugged him and embraced him and kissed him and says, come on in. Doesn't matter. You know, we're going to have burgers. We're going to have a wonderful time. Give him the best clothes. Let's, let's have a wonderful time. That's how God sees us. Amen. He will take any situation. There's nothing that's too too big for God. He will do, he will turn your mess and he'll make a miracle out of it. Amen. There's meaning in our mess. Let's say that there's meaning in my mess. Amen. Let's say God is forming me. Say that again. God is forming me. Amen. God is not done. Amen. Amen. There's meaning in the mud, mercy in the mud. There's miracle in the mud. Amen. And, uh, I actually want to have some time for prayer right now. And so if we could just get on our feet right now, if we could. And there could be something that's in your heart, that's in your spirit, that's been weighing you down. And perhaps you just haven't surrendered completely and just said, Lord, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Not carry Underwood style, but just, Lord, take everything that you have. Everything that I have, Lord. All my regrets, all my mistakes, all my doubts, Lord. And... We just ask that you'd pour into my life. Lord, that when I come home today, when I'll see this situation or something that's not done in my life, Lord, I want to be able to see through it, through that mess. And the more we are filled with your presence, Lord, 
The more we are filled with your spirit, the more clarity, the more pure our life becomes. Ah, Lord, we just surrendering everything to you right now. Purify our lives, Lord, by your spirit. Not by might. Not by power, but by your spirit, says God. Yeah, we can't fix our mess, Lord. Only you can. We can only go so much far. And Lord, and you pick us up out of this mud. And you put our feet on solid ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place, Lord, right now. And if any of us, Lord, have gotten a little far from you, Lord, or started doubting you, Lord, Lord, ask for your spirit to work right now, Lord, in our lives, in your voice to speak into our situation. Whatever it is, it will be, Father. Hallelujah. Purify our hearts, Lord. Pour your water into our lives, Father. Your living waters, Lord. And when those living waters pour, yes, the dry, it's no longer dry. The dry will become fresh, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. We worship you. We give you honor and glory, Lord. We thank you that you will always, always take anything in our lives and you will make a meaning out of it, Lord. Thank you, Father, for speaking into our lives. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you need prayer, please, uh, we have some time right now before kids come. Just, you know, we can pray together. Whatever it is on your heart, there's nothing too big or nothing too small. Bring anything before Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And we will, uh, in the meantime, while you're coming up to getting prayer, we're going to have one more worship song that we can end the service with. Hallelujah.